Marco Luciano made his long-anticipated Major League debut. The Giants had ton of youth in their lineup, and they won this game. They won both games against the Oakland A's, and ultimately, that's all that matters. However, there were two pinch-hit decisions in this game, one with Austin Slater uh, that was a good decision, and then the decision, though, to pinch-hit for Marco Luciano. I didn't like that one so much, even though it all worked out. You are Locked On Giants. Your daily San Francisco Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. My name is Ben Kaspic, and on the show, we provide daily episodes Monday through Friday talking about the San Francisco Giants in a way that's data-driven and rational, but also simple, passionate, and accessible to all. I'm a former contributor for the baseball statistics and analysis websites Beyond the Box Score and Rotographs. I've been podcasting about the Giants since 2015, and I'm a lifelong fan. Thank you for making Locked on Giants your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts, including YouTube. Check us out there. Hit that subscribe button if you're watching on YouTube. And coming up on today's show... A lot to get into. Marco Luciano made his long-anticipated Major League debut, and the Giants won this game. Like I said, those are the most important things. However, I think we will definitely get into all that, but I want to discuss a tale of two different pinch-hit decisions. And the one that I want to start with is the decision to pinch-hit for Marco Luciano. And so I think this was a little bit controversial, and I, I'm I'm in the controversy, and I'm going to explain why I thought, I why I just didn't like that move. And the reason was that the Giants had a two-run lead. It was leading off the bottom of the seventh inning. It was five to three Giants, I believe. Two-run lead for sure. And You've got a crowd on hand that gave a standing ovation to this 21-year-old who's been considered a, you know, a phenom of the future for many years since he was signed in 2018 out of the Dominican Republic. And the fans have been waiting a long time. They show up to the ballpark. They give him a standing ovation before his first at bat. And then he flies out to the wall in right on the first pitch he sees, and they give him a standing ovation on his way back to the dugout. So that's the level of excitement that the fans have to see this guy. And the Giants had a two-run lead in the seventh inning, and he had only taken two at-bats, and you substitute him out. And look, if the game was tied, if the Giants were down a run, I can understand it. Even if you're up by one, but up by two, I think that the advantage, they go to Jock Peterson and Gabe Kapler's explanation after the game was that, you know, Peterson is such a dangerous hitter against right-handed pitching and it's leading off an inning. And he said, I know Peterson flew out, but he could just just as easily hit a double or drawn a walk. Well, Marco Luciano could have also hit a double or drawn a walk, you know, and Sure, I think statistically, Peterson was probably more likely. In fact, I mean, I mean, yeah, more likely, but it's marginal. And the Giants already had, you know, according to the numbers and the statistics about win probability, their win probability was already almost 90%. And so when Peterson flew out, I, I tracked this because I wanted to be prepared to make this argument. 
When Peterson flew out, their win probability dropped from 89% to 88%, according to the StatCast, you know, baseball savant win probability chart. And so it's such a marginal loss. Like most likely both of them make it out, right? That's like the statistically, the probabilistic kind of analysis of what's likely to happen when any hitter comes to the plate. And so I just think the theatrical negative value of taking out the guy that everybody was there to see. I mean, not everybody, but every giant, every single Giants fan was excited to see this guy. And I just, I don't like kind of sticking to the book in that exact situation. And I'm, it was just such a marginal advantage in my opinion, because Peterson, as good as he is against a right-handed pitcher is likely to make an out. And you believe so is Luciano, but the, the upside of Luciano staying in the game and maybe getting his first major league hit and what that would do for the fans, for the dugout, all of that has to come into play. And so I'm not sitting here saying, therefore, Gabe Kapler is the worst manager of all time and you need to fire him immediately. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying he has shown like a willingness to sometimes not go with what is necessarily the most statistically advantageous thing like maybe sticking with a starting pitcher like Logan Webb he talked about when Logan Webb got his complete game shutout in the last game before the all-star break Kapler talked about kind of playing to the crowd a little bit and that the crowd wanted to see Logan Webb and Webb has earned it so I guess you could say Luciano hasn't earned that opportunity yet but I mean he will get plenty of opportunities. I just I don't know. I mean the numbers let let me talk about the numbers. I wanted to see is this guy just like uh, someone they view as a platoon player because just getting pinch hit for once doesn't mean that. It it you know the way that they've kind of operated at times is like you get your opportunities in advantageous matchups and then if you perform well you earn more and more opportunities. And that's probably what ends up happening here. And so this will all become irrelevant. You know, he'll continue to play. I assume, you know, the trade deadline's coming up, so it's very possible that they could end up acquiring a middle infielder anyway. They've also got Crawford coming back probably in their next game and Tyra Estrada eventually coming back. So it's not it's not clear that Luciano's just going to be on the team the rest of the year. He can obviously be sent back down. But there are other guys who could be sent down too, like Schmidt and Wisely. But Against left-handed pitching this season in Double A, Luciano hit 245, whereas against right-handed pitching in Double A, he hit 222. Uh, against righties, he had a 335 on base. Against lefties, a 351 on base. Against righties, a 438 slugging, which is like a 216 isolated power. And against lefties, a 490 slugging, which is a 230 or 45 isolated power. So yeah, a little bit more on base, a little bit more power. And against, you know, in AAA, it was kind of similar, although he he did hit a home run against a righty and one against a lefty in AAA. I don't know. I don't just see, he was actually a little bit better against righties in AAA, but we're talking about a tiny sample. So there's nothing that jumps off the page as like, this guy can't hit a right-handed pitcher. And so anyway, I don't want to, again, I want to emphasize that the main point is that the Giants won this game. And there was also another pinch hit decision, which I thought was absolutely the right decision. So it just very much depends on the context 
and the situation. I just happen to think you're already up. This is the Oakland A's with your back end of the bullpen with the Rodgers twins and Camilo Duvall. You should be able to hold a two-run lead and the marginal advantage of getting Peterson in that bat versus Luciano, I just don't think was worth the entertainment value lost when you take out the guy that everyone was there to see, everyone was tuning in to watch on TV. That's just my opinion. Let me know if you agree or disagree. I know that it's kind of polarizing. I don't want to be polarizing here, but I strongly felt that way at the moment that he was taken out. I just did. However, the decision to pinch hit with Austin Slater, totally different animal, and Austin Slater very much came through. So we're going to discuss the Austin Slater pinch hit decision and how it highlights the disappointing season for Michael Conforto and really the overall disappointing offseason that the Giants had when we look back and see the guys they brought in and how they've performed. So we'll get into that in just a minute. And before we do, this episode is brought to you by Ibotta. Finally taking that summer vacation you've been planning but dreading buying all the necessities before you take off, it's time to stop spending your hard-earned money without getting anything in return. Enter Ibotta. The average Ibotta user earns $120 per year. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip. Or you could use your cash back to buy that flight that you've been eyeing, that game you're dying to go to, or the fancy dinner you've been craving. Other apps give you points that don't amount to much. With Ibotta, you get real cash back that you can cash out to your bank account, PayPal, or gift cards. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for trying Ibotta by using the code MLB when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use code MLB. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use code MLB. All right, here we go. I want to get into the other decision, which was, you know, largely very similar. And yet I thought it was definitely the right call. And it totally paid off, and it's how they got to have that two-run lead that I was discussing. Thanks again for making Locked on Giants your first listen every day, everydayers. Uh, tomorrow on the show, we're going to be getting into some mailbag questions. We're going to get out a fresh prompt tonight, and you know, trade deadline is coming up. So a lot of trade conversations, as we'll discuss later on today. Shohei Otani taken off the trade market, so... We'll address what can the Giants do to upgrade their team, knowing that it won't be Shohei Otani, at least in the 2023 season. So anyway, the decision to pinch hit Austin Slater in the middle of the game for Michael Conforto with the go-ahead run on second base. So this is a totally different scenario to me because the game is kind of hanging in the balance. If you can get a hit there, your win probability shoots up rather dramatically. Whereas, like I said, with Luciano and and Peterson, if Peterson got a hit, like like Kapler said, a walk or a double, maybe their win probability goes from 89% to like 92%. So I just don't think it was that impactful of a situation that it was worth it. But Michael Conforto got, got pinch hit for with Austin Slater against a lefty in the middle innings. And it for it, two things are highlighted here. Number one, the awesomeness of Austin Slater as a pinch hitter. He has been nothing short of phenomenal as a pinch hitter. He leads the major leagues tied with Wilmer Flores for 
the most pinch hit homers in the major leagues since what 2017 2019 and he didn't even start doing this kind of pinch hit role until 2020 really when Gabe Kapler came in and so in a lot of ways you know I'm going to sit here and tell you that I think that the pinch hitting is very effective so I'm not here telling you platooning and pinch hitting I think there's a lot of like bad information out there and and opinion opinions that are wrong about the platooning it's not like Michael Conforto he has not been pinch hit for or platooned all season. He's played his way into this by not performing particularly against left-handed pitching. Michael Conforto has never been below average against right-handed pitching, including this year. He's hitting 249, 352 on base, 419 slugging against righties in 2023. That's not great. Actually, it would be the worst weighted runs created plus against right-handed pitching of his entire career. Not by too much, but it's a 113 weighted runs created plus, whereas in his career against righties, it's 133. So 20 percentage points lower than his career norm has Conforto been against right-handed pitching, which is his strong side. So against left-handed pitching, however, this season, Michael Conforto, 84 plate appearances. He's hit just 203 with a 250 on base and 342 slugging, it's a 61 weighted runs created plus. So he's played his way into getting substituted out in a big situation against the lefty when you've got Austin Slater at your disposal on the bench. It's just kind of a no-brainer in a way. So I guess I can't give like ultra kudos to Gabe Kapler for making this decision, but it was still the right decision and they made it and it paid off because you don't even need a homer there, which he gave them. But, you know, even just a single, I, I think it was Wilmer Flores on second. So maybe not a single, but yeah, in his career, Conforto has a 91 weighted runs created plus a hundred is average by the way. And so he's been a little below average against lefties. But again, this season he's at 61 weighted runs created plus. So it's just overall been a disappointing season for Michael Conforto. And when you think about it, and I've been thinking about it a lot when we're discussing trades and and figuring out what the needs are of the team, there were just so many players, including Conforto now, who were signed last offseason and just ultimately have been disappointing with the San Francisco Giants. Even Jock Peterson himself, brought back on the qualifying offer, just has had his struggles. And I mean, the overall numbers are are pretty solid. He's been about 25% above average offensively, but last year he was 44% above average offensively. And Peterson has gone through a long kind of extended slump, but he does appear to be finally coming out of it. And it's not just Conforto and Peterson. I wouldn't really call Peterson a disappointment. He's just, he's been streaky and we're in one of the cold streaks that may be coming out of it, but yeah, I mean, the main focus for me is Conforto, who, like I said, his overall weighted runs created plus is 100. He's been exactly league average offensively, and he hasn't been a great defender either. And he's got this opt-out after 2023. He must reach 350 plate appearances in order to be able to opt-out, and he's like 10 plate appearances away. And so right now, it looks like Conforto would opt in based on the way he's played this season. You've also got Mitch Hanniger on a three-year deal, and he has been either hurt or ineffective. I'm not saying I don't believe in Hanniger or Conforto, but the 
proof is in the pudding. They just haven't performed in 2023. Conforto's been okay, and he's had some big moments. But, you know, and Hanniger, it's a freak injury with the forearm getting hit by a pitch. But it just, it's not a stretch to say it's been a disappointing year for him. Sean Manaya has been very disappointing. And he's on this two-year deal with the opt-out after the first year, and it's definitely looking like he would opt out. There are some kind of underlying strong numbers for Manaya, and so I wouldn't be totally shocked, actually, if he ended up opting out. Obviously, there's still two-plus months for the season, and so a lot can change with all of these guys in that span of time. But Ross Stripling also has been a disappointment. I mean, just by simple ERA for these two, Sean Manaya has an ERA of 5.86. Ross Stripling has an ERA of 5.77. So that is not what they signed up for with these guys. Taylor Rogers has been pretty good, actually. They haven't used him a ton. He's kind of like goes long stretches without pitching, it seems. Luke Jackson has also been pretty good when he's been out there, and he you know, so they're, those bullpen signings look pretty strong to me still. The Wilmer Flores extension that they gave him last year looks good. Um, but then I guess those are the main guys that they signed this offseason. But I will also add, though, if you look at Carlos Correa, guess what? He's been worse offensively than Michael Conforto. He's got a 95 weighted runs created plus on the season. So it's been a major disappointment of a year for Carlos Correa. I also look at Trey Turner of the Phillies, who got a $300 million deal. And of course, Correa originally had a $350 million deal. Did I say $300 for Turner? It was $300. And he's been about 20% below average, hitting .245, .297 on base, .384 slugging. Just a major disappointing season, majorly disappointing year so far for Trey Turner. And so... I don't want to make it sound like the Giants are the only team that signed players who ended up performing at disappointing levels. It's It just goes to show you how there's no certainty in baseball and that it's also really hard. Even the superstar players can struggle like this. And so I'm not going to rip them for signing Conforto uh, at all. You know, you just don't know who's going to perform and who's not. But some guys that they also were that also seemed like possible fits like Cody Bellinger and even Kevin Kiermeyer have been the better signings. And, you know, the, the Dodgers getting J.D. Martinez, he's been more impactful than, you know, a Jock Peterson, for example. And so they're all gambles. Anytime you sign a player, it's a gamble. But uh, they haven't had anybody really be like majorly impactful. And that's why it's kind of impressive that they are where they are right they're nine games over 500 they're the top wildcard team just barely but still they're the top wildcard team without getting strong performances from any of those guys and so it kind of just to me goes to show you that last year they underperformed because it's largely the same team except you subtract a carlos rodon you subtract a brandon belt um and the guys you add don't perform, and yet you're still nine games over 500. And so, and by the way, Carlos Rodon is another example. He was hurt for so much of the year, and now he's made, what, four starts? Yeah, four starts, and he's got an ERA himself of 575. And he signed for $162 million. And granted, it's four starts, but he just, the strikeout rate is only 16.7%. Last year with the Giants, it was 
pretty much exactly double that at 33.4%. So some concerning signs for Rodon. It's very early still, but he's got what's described as a chronic back issue now. So it just goes to show, like if you had signed Carlos Correa and Carlos Rodon and they performed like this, then you'd be in the same kind of situation, but with a much huger commitment than the Giants made to these other guys. Anyway, none of that matters. What matters is the Giants got a win against the Oakland A's. They took care of business and they swept this two-game series. As I said, it was like important to do. So where does that leave them with the trade deadline very much looming here? The Giants only four more games before the trade deadline. So what is how how does the race look and what do the Giants have to do? We'll get into it in just a minute. And before we do, All right, as promised, we're going to take a look at the state of the race, where the Giants stand after winning these two games against the A's, and where do things, how do things look with the trade market. Thanks again for making Locked on Giants your first listen every day. Every day is tomorrow, a fresh batch of mailbag questions, so look out on Twitter for the prompt. Anyway, the Giants took care of business against the A's. They didn't play their best baseball in this series, but... They got it done. Like a win is a win at this stage of the season. And what, why this was such an important, why this is such an important stretch to me is because they looked like obvious buyers, basically from the time they had their 10 game winning streak until basically the time they had their six game losing streak just recently. And you, I just do not want to see this team go from looking like an obvious buyer to looking like maybe not such an obvious buyer right before the trade deadline. I want this team to prove to the front office that they are a team that should be added to, not subtracted from, not a team that should stand pat. And by winning these two games, it goes a long way. If you had lost both of these games, for example, to the worst team in baseball, then that sends a bad message. You still would have four games left, but you would have lost, what, eight in a row? And did they lose seven in a row, actually? No, they lost six in a row. So anyway, I just think they're really important. And so the Giants are now, like I said, nine games over 500. They're playing at an 88-win pace. They're only three back in the NL West. The Dodgers lost yesterday and the Giants won. So they picked up a game. The D-backs lost again. So the Giants are alone in second place. The wild card race is really tight in the National League. Giants are the top wild card team, but only by a half game over two other teams. And then the two teams that are just outside the race looking in are only a half game back of those two other teams. So just one back of the Giants. And then the Cubs have come back into the race. Talking about run differential, they're a team that has a much better run differential than their record would have you believe. And so with that positive run differential, they got hot, you know, and the Marlins had a negative run differential and they've been in a massive funk. And so the Cubs are now only four and a half out of a playoff spot. So a new team has entered the chat. A new team has entered the race here. The Padres keep losing. They lost a series against the Pirates. And so despite having a star-studded team and a really good run differential that would lead you to... It's the third-best run differential in the National League, and the Cubs are fourth-best. And both of those teams are under 500 and at least four and a half out. The Padres are six and a half out, so seven back of the Giants. The Mets 
eight back of the Giants. And so, and the Cardinals 10 back. And then you've got the Pirates, Nationals, and Rockies. So the Mets, I think, will probably end up being sellers. The Padres, I'm not so sure about. The Cubs, I'm not so sure about. But the Giants' position is pretty strong, but not super strong. And they have a tough rest-of-season schedule. And according to Fangraphs, their playoff odds right now, 64.6%. And so those are good odds, and those are odds that would lead you to believe the front office should be buying. But who should they be buying? It's not a particularly strong trade market. In fact, it's one of the weakest I can remember, which kind of stinks. But there are some starting pitchers out there, and there are some outfielders. But middle infield, it's just kind of a wasteland. You've got Tim Anderson of the Chicago White Sox, but he's been the worst qualified hitter in baseball by weighted runs created plus this season. Paul DeYoung is just like kind of non-exciting but does raise the floor quite a bit but he's kind of exclusively a shortstop so I'm not quite sure that's the best fit I continue to think Tommy Edmond is a great fit for the Giants but he still is currently hurt but if you could get him he comes with you know two and a half years of team control he's fast he is elite defensively all over the diamond shortstop second base outfield center field has played third well as well and just having that positional flexibility He's also, like I said, fast and steals a lot of bases. Strikeout rate is low. He's kind of the perfect player for this roster to me. And so we'll see if the Cardinals are selling him. I would imagine they're not. But if they are, I I like the Giants as a fit. And then, I mean, finding a way to get some impact offense seems like it would go a long way for this team. But I'm not sure that player is out there. And also starting pitching. I think we know that the Giants could use some frontline starting pitching. Right now, like I said, with Manaya and Stripling and also Wood and DiScofani and Junis, none of those guys really performing up to expectations and just having another kind of rock-solid arm to pair with Webb and Cobb seems like a definite, obvious need. And so that's where things stand. Thank goodness the Giants won these games against the A's and kind of turned things around Hopefully, Marco Luciano gets more opportunities in the next several days and doesn't get pinch hit for every time there's a right-handed pitcher on the mound. Anyway, that is all the time we have for today. Thanks again for making Locked on Giants your first listen every day. Every dayers, tomorrow on the show, a mailbag question. So look out on Twitter for the prompt. And oh, by the way, I forgot to mention Shohei Otani. The Angels said he's not on the trade market. Normally, I would just say, yeah, yeah, they said that, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's true. But then they went out and made a a significant buying move, getting Lucas Giolito and a reliever from the White Sox. And so... Otani's not getting traded. Case closed. And so we can just forget about that, which I think makes it a lot simpler. Anyway, once again, my name is Ben Kaspic. Check me out on Twitter at Ben Kaspic, K-A-S-P-I-C-K. If you like this show, please consider rating it or leaving a review. Helps me out a lot. So thanks in advance and thanks to everyone who's done so already. I can't wait to be with you again tomorrow. Thanks again for listening. You are now Locked on Giants.